Hi, my name is Caroline Durham and I'm the Minister of Children here at Heights Baptist Church. Thanks for joining us online today. You can find our content on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and at our website, heightschurch.org slash connect. You can let us know that you joined us today um, and let us know how we can be praying for you. Thanks for joining us. And I want to ask a, just a question to start us off today, and, and you don't have to put your hand up, you don't have to say it out loud, uh, but I'm going to give you a choice, and you need to choose uh, what you would pick. So uh, first, if you would say, all right, here's, here's your options, all right, number one, first option, if you could have Jesus right beside you, all right, would you want Jesus right beside you in your life, or would you want the Holy Spirit in you. Okay? So, so those are your options. You want the Holy Spirit in you, or do you want Jesus right beside you? Okay? Now, now stop and think before you answer that real quickly. Just stop and think about that for a second. Jesus right beside you would be pretty cool, wouldn't it? I mean, you wake up in mid-June, it's like 100 degrees, 100% humidity, and you wake up and you're like, Jesus, not today. Can, can we get like a 70 degree day with the cool breeze coming through here? Jesus is like, no problem, Bob. Gotcha. Boom. 70 degrees, mid-June, Houston, right? He's got that ability. So you, you got Jesus right beside you. You don't want leftovers again? And you're like, Jesus, all I've got is leftovers. And I just, I can't eat turkey again, right? Jesus is like, no problem. You want filet mignon? Bang, filet mignon, right? You wake up, your back's hurting. You're like, oh man, my back's hurting. Come on, Jesus. I mean, can you do something about the back? No problem. Gotcha. You're healed. I mean, that's Jesus right beside you. Pretty sweet, isn't it? So what do you want? You want Jesus beside you or the Holy Spirit in you? Now, if you said Jesus beside me, then guess what? You're lining right up with the disciples. I mean, that's what the disciples wanted. Disciples are like, Jesus, you stand right with us. You always be with us. So if that was your heart and that was your mind, you're like, yeah, that'd be cool. I want Jesus right beside me at all times. That was the disciples. But Jesus here in John 14 saying this, guys, I'm about to leave. And it's actually to your benefit I'm about to leave. See, I'm going to go die on the cross, and I'm going to die on the cross for your sins, and they're going to put me in a grave, and then on the third day, I'm going to raise again, and then I'm going to go to my Father in heaven. But when I go to the Father in heaven, I'm going to do something for you that is better than me always being right beside you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to come live in you. And so Jesus says, yeah, yeah, I mean, it would be cool to be right beside you all the time, but what you really need is the Holy Spirit in you. And see, that's what John chapters 14 through 17 is really all about. It's what's called the farewell discourse. It's where Jesus is now right going to the cross. I mean, it's days ahead. He's going to go to the Father. And when he goes to the Father, he's going to send the Holy Spirit in our lives to live within us. And in this text, he's going to make two promises that are absolutely stunning. The first promise is a promise of preparation. And then he's going to promise us that we will do greater works than he will do. And here's what Jesus is unfolding for them and showing us, I think, in this text. And it's this statement. It's right there on the screen if you want to screenshot it or write it down. It's simply this, that we have the opportunity to impact the lives of people all around the world for Christ. Okay, I'm going to say that again. We have the opportunity to impact the lives of people all around the world for Jesus. You have that opportunity today. We have that opportunity as a church to impact the lives, literally, of people all around the world for Jesus. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. 
And I want you to notice first the promise of preparation that he gives us. John chapter 14, let's pick up in verse 1. We'll read on down for several verses. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said, verse 5, Lord, do we know where you're going? How can we know the way? Verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you've known me, you have known my Father also. From now on, you do uh, know him and have seen him. And so notice here this promise of preparation that Jesus says, listen, guys, verse 1, don't be troubled. All right, I'm leaving you. Believe in God. Believe in me. And then he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my Father's house are many rooms. If you have a King James version out there, it's going to say mansions, right? Uh, Maybe your other translation is going to say house. And so you have probably, if you've been at church at any point in your life, you've heard this passage. If you've been to a funeral, you've probably heard this passage before. And it's talking about Jesus going up to heaven. He says, in my father's house are many rooms. And some of us are already beginning to think about heaven right here when he's talking about that house. And you're starting to think, what's my house going to be like? Yeah. Is the grass always going to be green? It's going to have a big yard where I could play football. Right, remember that song? You know, what's my house going to be like? Is it golden floors? You know, are the neighbors hopefully not very noisy? Do I get a split level? I mean, what, Jesus, what's my house like? And this is what we'll do as Christians sometimes. When we think about this passage, is we'll start thinking about heaven, and we ask those questions all about heaven. What's this like? And what's that like? What's this like? And what's my house like? And those are fine questions, but let me point you to a better question. Wait a minute. We get a house? Why do we get a house? See, the the, the question is gospel people is essentially this. Not what is it like, but why do I get one? Why in the world would I get into heaven? I mean, because the Bible says we all fall short of the glory of God. So, Jesus, I deserve a house? See, I would argue John chapter 14, when it talks about all those rooms is we don't need to get so caught up in what it's going to be like, but we really need to focus on the builder of the house, not the house. Because heaven is only heaven because Christ is there. You don't want a Christless heaven. You want a heaven where Jesus is, where you are always are. And so really all of that about is not so much the house and what it's like, but wait a minute, you are the builder of the house That's what I want to be with. I want to be with the builder. I want to be with the one who is heaven in his presence. So Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then Thomas, verse 5, asked the question that I think all of them would be asking at the day when Jesus is unpacking this for them. Because he's, you know, he's been with them for three years. They've been following him for three years, and now he's starting to go, I'm leaving. And when I leave, I'm I'm not coming back right away. So Thomas asked a question that would be on their minds. Whoa, how do we know the way? How then can we get where you're going to be? 
Because if you're preparing this place and you're going to be in that place, then God, how can I get there? Jesus, how can I get to where you are? That's the question of verse 5. Then verse 6, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's kind of talk through that verse a little bit in in two different ways. Uh, First, for those of you in this room that may not be a Christian, those of you uh, that are online this morning worshiping with us that uh, are not believers in Jesus Christ, listen, first and foremost, we welcome you uh, here. If you are not a believer in Jesus, you are welcome to be here. You are welcome to ask questions. You are welcome to say, hey, I have questions about this, have doubts about this. We welcome those conversations, all right? We are not afraid to have those with you. And so if that's you this morning, we welcome you in that. And you might be this morning in that camp and you're starting to think, okay, what's my purpose in life? What am I here for? Why am I here on earth? Jesus Christ is the way. You might be thinking, okay, well, what, what is truth? In a world that constantly debates about truth, what really is truth? Jesus Christ is truth. You might be thinking this morning, okay, where am I going to be when I die? I mean, he's talked a lot about heaven, but we know the uh, alternative of heaven is hell, the Bible says. And so you're going to be in one of those two places for all of eternity. So at the end of the day, at the end of your life, where will you be? And you might be thinking that this morning, well, where am I going to be five minutes after I die? Jesus Christ says, I'm the life. See, I'm the one that brings you to heaven. I'm the one that brings you to God now and for all of eternity. So coming to Christ means coming in faith turning from your sin, trusting in Jesus and saying, Jesus, you give me purpose. Jesus, you are truth. Jesus, you are the life. And if that is you in this room, if that is you at home today, we call you, we encourage you, place your faith in Jesus today and let today be that day of salvation for you. And all of God's people said, amen, right? That's what we would want, desire, and pray for you is that today would be that day. You come to know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So Christians, for those of you that are Christians, and yes, you believe in Christ as the way and the truth and the life in your life. If we say John 14, 6 is true, then that has huge missional implications for what we do and why we do it. Then if John 14, 6 is true and people only come to God by faith through Jesus, then that means our heartbeat ought to always be there is not a spot on this planet that Jesus is not named. That on this planet, we do everything to get the gospel in every part of our world. That our hearts should break as believers in Jesus Christ. That 1.7 billion people on this planet have never even heard the name of Jesus yet. So as believers in Christ, if we say, yes, John 14, 6 is true, that gives us urgency. And it presents us with an opportunity. And that opportunity is to impact the lives of people all around the world for Christ. Because Jesus said, it's better for me not to be right with you side by side, but to send the Holy Spirit right in you. And Jesus not only kind of is blowing their mind, if you will, about this whole building a house for them thing talk in heaven, but then he goes on in verse 12 and just kind of ups the ante a little more about this another amazing promise, and it's a promise of greater works. Verse 12, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works 
then these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. But you look at verse 12. We're going to land there for a moment. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. Now, if you've got an NIV version, uh, he says it this way. I'm telling you the truth. Right? I love how he puts that. Guys, I'm not making this up. I'm not joking, Jesus says. And I think Jesus probably was, honestly, a little bit of a joker sometimes. I mean, I, I think he probably had a sense of, of humor in his earthly life. I mean, look at some of the things he created. I mean, we go, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he probably had a little sense of humor there, God. But he, right now he's like, I'm not joking. Guys, I'm telling you the truth, right? He says, I'm not playing. I'm telling you the truth, all right? Now, notice this part. Whoever believes in me will do greater works than I will do. Whoever believes in me. So when he says, whoever believes in me, he's talking about them. But then bring that promise in your lap with you holding your Bible today. He's talking about you. So you, as a follower in Jesus Christ, right now today, Jesus is saying, I'm not playing. I'm telling you the truth. You can do greater works than I do. Now, let that just marinate for a moment in your mind. Because, whoa, <laughs> that's a lot to unpack. That Jesus just said, I, I, you know, hey, I'm telling the truth. You, as a believer in Jesus, you can do greater works than I do. Because guess what? I'm not beside you. Now the Holy Spirit's in you. Now, you might be thinking, no, 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 hang on. How does, that, how does that play out here? Because let, let's just stop and think. Can we do more powerful things than Jesus did? All right. How was your week? Anybody raise the dead? Like, anybody? I mean, no? Okay, see, no hands. Anybody heal a blind person this week? Nope. See, no hands, All right? Multiply out some food, Yeah. Like you've got guests and company over and you're running out of food and they're like, man, do you have seconds? Yeah, no problem. Boom. Right? Anybody? Okay. So hearing none, we know we can't do more powerful works than Jesus. How about more dramatic works than Jesus? Anybody out this week just changed the weather? You know, <laughs> hey, all right, you know, man, I don't want it to rain. Uh, sunny, right? Boy, that wind, no, no wind, right? We can't do that. So let's just move the miracles off to the side, and let's just get into the teaching of Jesus. Anybody a better teacher than Jesus? Anybody give better counsel this week than Jesus? Hmm? No? Okay, anybody give a better sermon than Jesus? No, all right? And so we stop and think about these things. How in the world do we do better things than Jesus did? I mean, this is the guy that raised the dead and helped the blind see and help the lame walk and calm down storms by just speaking. So what is he getting at when he says, you're going to do greater things than I do? Well, let me read this to you, and it's from Leon Morris, and it's in his commentary on this uh, section. And just hang with me. The quote's a little bit long, but I think you'll get it, and it's important. He says, what Jesus meant is what we see in the narrative of Acts First, there are a few miracles of healing, but the emphasis is on the mighty works of conversion. 
On the day of Pentecost, more believers were added to the little band of believers than throughout Christ's entire earthly life. Second, during his lifetime, the Son of God was confined in his influence to a small sector of Palestine. After his departure, his followers were able to do work in widely scattered places and influence much larger numbers of men. But they did it all on the basis of Christ's return to the Father. They were in no way in a sense acting independently from him. On the contrary, in doing greater works, they were but his agents. That means this, that's why it's key the Holy Spirit's within us. Because when Jesus went up and sent the Spirit down, now the Spirit lives in you, and our ministry is now of a greater extent than Jesus. That's what he means in verse 12, that you have the opportunity now to reach more people for Christ than Christ did here on this earth. You have a greater extent of an opportunity. That's why the opportunity before us is so great, that we can have an influence and impact in people's lives all around the world for Christ. That's what he means by verse 12. So how do we do that? How do we have that that greater work? I would would say it's through the local church and it's through folks just like you. Because here's what you're going to see in the Bible. And it's just simply this, that God uses ordinary acts of obedience done by ordinary people and he produces extraordinary work. And that's what it is. That's what it all comes down to. It's just ordinary acts of obedience done by ordinary people. And God does extraordinary things with them. So let's just stop and think about that. How about prayer? You know, how about, how about prayer? How's your prayer life going? Who are you praying for? Who are you praying to come to know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life? I mean, who, who, are, you, who are you asking the Lord? Who you just, you got the Lord's ear. What are you praying about? Because do you notice what Jesus said in verse 13? He said this, He said, whatever you ask in my name, this I'll do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. And here's what prayer is all about. Prayer is all about you lining your will up with God's will. Prayer is all about you lining your desire up with God's desire. And so when you're in line with God, God answers those prayers. But sometimes God doesn't answer our prayers because we've got sin in our life we're not confessing. Or our, our motivations are selfish, but Jesus is saying right there, no, no, when you bring your will under God's will and you are asking for the things that God wants to see happen, God makes those things happen. So how about prayer? Who are you praying for right now to come to know Christ? And listen, if you've been praying for them for a long time, don't quit. Don't give up. I mean, you say, I've been praying for this person for 10 years. Great. Keep praying. Right? God's using you right now to grow your faith in this. We had folks come down at the end of first service, and they're like, man, I am praying for my grandson. I am praying for my child. And I just prayed it this way. I said, Lord, just right now today, put a Christian in their path. That even at this very moment, someone would speak the gospel to them, and they'd come to know Christ. Maybe this morning, that's a prayer you need to pray. You have an opportunity in prayer to impact the life of someone else for Christ Jesus. How about serving? How are you serving? How are you serving in the community? Right? Are, you a, are you a part of finding a way to serve in our community? How about in our local church? How are you serving? 
How are you serving as a life group teacher, working with students, working with kids, serving as a greeter, serving in our, our, our tech team, serving on disaster relief? What are, you, what are you doing to serve, to use those spiritual gifts that God's given you, those talents, and say, Lord, I'm going to just serve someone else because this is what we see in the Bible, that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That's why Christ says in Matthew 5, verse 16, this, let your work shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify my Father in heaven. Right? Do those good works so that people would see them and they would glorify God in heaven. So how about your prayers? How are you taking your prayers and investing them in the kingdom? You're serving. What about sharing? You know, we want to be a church that doesn't just know good news, but shares good news. And that's one of our purposes as a church. We want to be a sharing church. We want to invite people to hear the word of God, and we want to share the word of God with others. And if you stop and think about it, you are naturally a sharing person. You share things all the time. Just stop and think all day long what you share. You tell people about TV shows you watch. You tell people how you're feeling. You post things on Facebook and Instagram. You're constantly sharing your life with someone else. I even thought about it this way. Uh, this, this happened way pre-COVID, right? So post-COVID, we're not really doing this anymore, hopefully. We really shouldn't have been doing it pre-COVID, but we were because we're just weird sometimes as people, all right? Let's just be honest. Have you ever been out to eat with someone, maybe a friend, family member, and they tasted something that was bad? And they went, oh my gosh, this is horrible. Taste this. Anybody? You know you've done it. And you grabbed it and you're like, oh gosh, that is bad. You know? This is the worst coffee I've ever had in my life. Take a sip. Oh gosh, that was really bad. Like post-COVID, that's out, right? Really should have been out pre-COVID, by the way, because that's still, still gross. But look, we even share bad stuff with people, right? And so how about we share good things with people? How about as a Christian, you let people know what you are for and not what you are always against, right? We are doing a great job as Christians right now telling people what we are against and a really bad job at telling people what we're for. You know what we're for? We're about people's lives being changed by Jesus Christ, amen? That's what we're for. So how about sharing that with someone? You know what happens when you share it? Their life can be changed. Their eternal life can change. That's what Jesus is saying. That all those miracles he did, as powerful and dramatic and as outstanding as they were, they were temporary. You know, I love the story of Lazarus. Hey, Lazarus is one of my favorite stories. God's been dead for three days. And Jesus walks up to his grave and I can just imagine Lazarus in heaven looking down and seeing Jesus coming up. And he's like, no, no, walk away. Maybe he turned out the lights and like pulled the blinds in his little room and got down in the corner. He's like, uh-uh, nope, 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 nope. And Jesus walks up to the tomb and he's like, Lazarus, come forth. No. It's, I've been in heaven for three days. I don't want to come back to earth. But guess what happened with Lazarus? He came back. We don't know when, but he died again. Think about that for the family. Family had two funerals for that guy. I'm like, man, weren't we just here? Like, this is like five years ago. We're back again. How about Bartimaeus? Bartimaeus was healed. He could see. 
But we know Bartimaeus died. What, was it Alzheimer's? Was it cancer? What, what happened with Bartimaeus? See, all those things, as powerful and dramatic as they were, they were temporary to point us to something greater. And that greater was this one who heals the blind and raises the dead is the one that saves the soul. So the, the greater works is that for us. That we, through agents of God, were pointing people constantly to Christ. So when their eternity is changed, that's verse 12. That's the greater work. So how are you praying? How are you serving? How are you sharing? How about giving? How are you giving? You know, when you give, understand this, please. When you give, you do not give to a church budget. Please understand that. Yes, we have a budget as a church because we want to be responsible adults, right? But here's the thing about a budget. A budget's a best guess. It's a best guess of how much money's gonna come in and how much money's gonna go out. And here's our commitment. We don't overspend what we don't have. I know that's a novel concept in today's world that we are not going to spend what we don't have. So as a church, even though we might be behind budgeted giving at times, we're always in the black on the actuals. But when you give on a Sunday morning or through the week or online and in person, it's not to meet a budget figure. It's for work of ministry. When you give, you're giving to over 4,000 missionaries that are in 186 countries around our world. You're giving so we have programs here at our church that reach out to people, that help people. You saw the result of your giving today by the young people that were baptized. When you give, the gospel goes out. And so please understand this. It's not to a budget. It's to a work of ministry. That's why as a church, I'm, I'm so, so proud of you guys. I'm always proud of you guys. But man, I'm just like beaming right now. Because last week, in literally a five-minute business meeting with no opposition, 100% of the vote, you said, all right, the week of December 5th, we're going to give away all of our general offering. We're just going to give it away. You know, anything you designated that week, it still goes to that designated fund. But if you put a $100 bill in the, in the little offering box that week, guess what? It's all going out. We are keeping no money that week, right? And that is huge, that is a huge, huge sacrifice, but thank you for making that because what you're saying is this, we as the people of God believe God doesn't get our seconds and God doesn't get our thirds, he gets our first. And that's what giving is. Giving's not giving God your leftovers, it's giving to God first. And saying in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And that's what that's about. It's just seeking God first and saying, God, as a church, we're going to step up. We're giving it all away that week. And we're going to ask God that you bless, you work, you multiply out this in a greater way. And so what's going to happen during that week is 25% of that money is going to go to our international missionaries. 25% is going to go to our North American missionaries. 50% is going to stay here local, and that's going to work through our uh, giving to our pregnancy center in Friendswood, Alvin Meals on Wheels, Southeast Texas Disaster Relief, Way of Life Church up in Pearland, Resonate Church, Texas Port Ministry, and then all through the rest of December, we'll be continuing to collect for the Lottie Moon Christmas Fund for our international missionaries. Man, I'm excited about that. Somebody asked me recently, they said, you know, with that plan that, that uh, we, we put forth and, and now the church is approved, they just they ask a good question. They're like, can we afford this? 
Can we afford to do this as a church, like give it all away? Ask this question back. Can we afford not to? I mean, if people's souls are on the line, if heaven and hell is what's on the line here, John 14, 6, true, when Jesus says, I'm the way and truth and life, no one comes to the Father but through me, how can we afford not to sacrifice? How can we not afford just to step up and do something radical and different and ask God to multiply it out? See, I I want you to hear this morning, whether you're online, whether you're in this room, whether you're new with us, I know a lot of times churches get bad raps about when it comes to money and giving, and some people are like, man, church is all about money. I get to tell you what, we ain't about money. Here's how much we're about money. We're giving it all away one week. That's what we care about money. You know what we care about? We care about souls. We care about people. And so, yeah, it might cost us to tighten us our belt a little bit around here, but that's fine. We'll tighten our belt. We'll keep on going. God's going to bless, and God's going to multiply it out. Amen? Because here's the thing. You today, right where you sit, you're a benefit from somebody who made an investment. See, there was, there was 12 guys that got in a meeting several years ago. And these 12 guys came together and they said, you know what? We don't have a whole lot. We, we just don't have a whole lot, but, but we want to do something. And, and so let's make this investment. And when these 12 guys made that decision to make that investment, that affected about 120 people. About 120 people's lives were changed. And then from those original 12, out of that 120, about 3,000 people were changed. And then out of that 3,000 people, over time, because of those 12 people in their original investment, millions upon millions upon millions of people all around our world, their lives have been changed. It's just these 12. You know, these 12, they weren't CEOs. These 12, many of them probably wouldn't, couldn't even graduate high school. I mean, they, they didn't really have two nickels to rub together. But they said, you know what we're going to give you? We're going to give you our lives. And God, that's what we're going to give you. We're just going to give you our lives. See, those original 12, you, guess, you know who they were? They were disciples. And those disciples, those 12, just said, you know what? Jesus told us he was telling the truth. We just go out and just ordinary people doing ordinary acts of obedience. God's going to do extraordinary things. And from those 12 came 120, came 3,000. And where you sit today, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a benefit of those original 12's investment. And all they invested was this, our lives. God, that's what we got to give you, our life. So the opportunity before you today is to make an impact all around our world for Jesus. And so I'm going to invite you, make that investment. How are you praying? How are you serving? How are you sharing? How are you giving? Because through that ordinary act of obedience, God can do extraordinary things through you. Let's bow in prayer. I want to thank you for joining us and watching today's message. And I want to just go over a quick story with you that's a really important story in the Bible, and it means a lot to me. It's about a man by the name of Nicodemus. See, Nicodemus was a guy who pretty much grew up going to church all his life. And one night he comes to Jesus, and it's late in the evening, and he sits down with Jesus, and he essentially asks him a question. Jesus, how do I go to heaven? How do I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus responds in John chapter 3 that you have to be born again. Now, Nicodemus asks a very practical question. We all would think, well, how in the world can someone be physically born twice? But Jesus wasn't talking about a second physical birth. 
He's talking about a spiritual birth, that you have to be born again. See, the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that without Christ, our spirits are dead. And we're not able to worship God and love God and honor God. But then when we come to Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, Jesus helps us to be born again. He gives us new birth and our spirits come alive. And so Ephesians chapter 2 again then says, Then by grace you have been saved. It's not a work of yourself. It's the work of Jesus in your life. But listen, that has to be received. You have to receive that gift of grace in your life and believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. And simply put it this way, did Jesus do everything he possibly could do to save you on the cross? Or is there something else out there? Is he the only way or are there other ways? You know, the way to be saved is to say Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And friend, when you place your faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, Jesus forgives you of all your sin, past, present, and future. And when you die, one day he will take you to be with him in heaven. And so when you think about the wonderful promises of Jesus, I want to encourage you today, right where you are, to receive them and believe in him. And so if you are ready to do that today, let's just bow in prayer. And I'm going to encourage you in your heart today to mean these words because this is what God says, that when we believe in our hearts that Jesus has died on the cross for us, that we can be saved. So would you pray with me? You can simply say, Dear God, today I believe Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm placing my faith and trust in Him in Him alone. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin and one day taking me to heaven to be with you forever. Thank you, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Friend, I want to thank you so much today for watching our message and encourage you. If you've prayed today to follow Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, please let us know so we can come alongside of you and encourage you, help you take your next step of faith. You can connect with us at our website, heightschurch.org slash connect. You can even leave a comment here on this YouTube page. And we'll be in touch with you because we want to just come alongside of you and help you take that next step of faith. So until next time, thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you soon.